Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Arch, Mississippi. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Thank you very much for the privilege of being with you today. You know what? The whole world feels kind of green this week. I know it's autumn. Everybody's out there with their pumpkin spice and the one thing and another. But when we have the opportunity to look at lettuce growing, at onions sprouting, and frankly, considering pansies, look now, it's time. And all those things bring the green to us all winter long, which is why so many people come to visit us in the wintertime and then want to stay. You ever wonder why Mardi Gras and such celebrations as that are so popular? Because it's not frozen and it usually isn't snowing. That's why. They're wonderful celebrations whenever they might occur. But the good news is, you know, you don't need necessarily need all of your clothes in order to go to the event. That is part of the joy of being a gardener in this part of the world. And in fact, I'm really crazy to tell you this, but we don't ever quit. It's a 12-month vocation, occupation. Just reading the uh, next door in my neighborhood the other day, somebody's looking for landscapers, other people looking for cleanup folks. We, We do stuff all the time, including weekend gardening. Thank you very much for being here with me today. If you are listening on the stream, either the the audio stream, you can probably hear the pollen in my voice, but if you're on the video stream, you can see that I'm really dressed up today. (laughs) I'm all braided up today. Thank you very much for all of that. Y'all are fun. I get the craziest comments during the week, and they all make me tickled. So I appreciate it so, so much. What's going on in your garden this week, or what do you wish was going on? Well, you might be one of those people that's trying to find someone to do this, that, or the other thing. I'm always looking for somebody to do this, that, or the other thing in my garden. 888-808-8637. If you have the opportunity, please do call on the Supertalk call line. The C Spire text line is always available to you, 601-879-4395. I get mail. I get mail from y'all, mamaonair at yahoo.com. And some of it has, this week has been renewals for the newsletter, and I appreciate that very, very much. It is time for that. If any time that, that you have the opportunity to do something weekly and have people read it, frankly, a writer has got that joy. And since there are no more traditional columns and that sort of thing, I'm glad that we have found each other through the All Things Garden Mama Weekly. More information about that, of course, mama on air at yahoo.com or linktree slash garden mama. Now, that all being said, I get snail mail. I get mail that costs way too much to make. And I get two copies of it a lot of the time. <laughs> and I just wonder what their budget is and how did they do this well to be able to do this. But it's the Home Garden Seed Association, and they are, in fact, that big. 
that they can do these things. They promote gardening from seed all the time. And they have some really beautiful um, pieces of material. Their website is great. But any any of these bits and pieces of information that they provide to us, I, I used to get a lot more than this, and that's why it's so unusual for me to have the chance to show this to you. I like what they say. Be gentle with your soil. That's, I've never said be gentle with your soil, but I have said don't overtill. All right? Don't, you know, don't do the stuff you don't have to do because when you, the more you manipulate the garden soil, particularly in the, what most of ours are here, some of our soils are sandy, but most of them in the deep south tend to be on the heavy side or at least sticky, if not heavy. They're clay-based in many cases. We really do have to pay attention to the structure of the soil itself. And the more it is manipulated, the more damage you can do to it, especially if you are not at the same time doing the second tip that the Home Garden Seed Association offers, which is add organic matter all the time. I know you've heard me say this. (laughs) That's what you tell us to do, Mama. Yes, it is. And that's partly why I'm telling you I always like it when I don't mind when people disagree with me. I like to have the opportunity to talk things out. But I really like it when professional associations agree with my essential message, which is don't overtill and add organic matter on a regular basis because we want the soil to grow. We have to handle the soil as if we understand that it's where the roots live. And the roots, of course, are the thing that make the top of the plant go. That's one of the reasons, for those of y'all who came to the garden tour a couple weeks ago, it's one of the reasons I don't water very much even in a dry summer, even though it changes the fundamental look of the bed, okay? Because I want the roots to be able to cope with what they have. I don't want them to feel like, well, we can't grow anymore until she puts some water out. Granted, the roots aren't going to say that to each other, but they will act that way. They will respond to me too much, and I want them to respond to the conditions in the soil itself because I built good soil to start with. Anyway, then they talk about cover crops and, of course, mulch. And talking about adding nitrogen, which is really the point here today. There's a lot of talk out in the world and a lot of reality about increasing gas prices. In, in, we have a little bit of that here, but we have a whole lot to look at in other parts of the world, particularly the, the European Union. And there are some serious issues that we're going to have to face here. You know, if you've listened to me for a long time, you've heard me say more than once that one of the reasons to go sustainable is because you can keep doing it. You compost, you're making your own fertilizer, you continue, you add things in, you don't necessarily subtract them all out and then come back at the end of the year and put them in again. We're having the opportunity to learn more about that because the price of a truck of fertilizer in Europe has quintupled since last year. All right? So there's going to be some people there discovering what they can grow on the soil that they have with minimal additions. But I'm telling you, if we're practicing what I preach all the time anyway and doing minimal invasion, doing some fertilizing, adding some nitrogen, sure, adding some phosphorus, some potassium when it's needed, but not just routinely going out and adding a lot to a new, whether we even know if we need it or not. So soil tests are important. Sources of nitrogen and other fertilizers are going to be very, very important in the coming years. 
and I want you all to be aware that you heard it here first. It's going to cost more for fertilizer. Yes, we're going to use fertilizer, but we may not use quite as much, and we may use it more intelligently, that is to say, after getting a soil test. Those are things we ought to be doing anyway. Then we can spend our garden money on more plants and better machines and fancier yard art, okay? It's not that we're not going to spend our money in the garden. We're going to spend it on other things, okay? All right. Now, one of the nifty notes in this from the Home Garden Seed Association that I wanted to be sure and bring to you, there are differences in the amount of nitrogen that plants need. And if you are growing kale and cabbage and lettuce, they do need a regular source of nitrogen, which is why, for me, organic sources work so well. You can put them on without fear of the temperature of the day or the temperature of the soil or any of those things. They're going to do what they do. But however you do it, realize that when you're reading that time that says it's going to take 60 days to grow this or to produce that, that's implied that you're going to have enough nutrients and enough sunlight for that plant to grow, okay? So just put that in put that in your hat and uh, and keep it with you. There is of course the uh, there's always those plants that produce their own nitrogen and I'm I'm very fond of the legumes, the peas and, and beans. But did you know licorice is one of them? There's something else to consider. They didn't tell me that. I knew that. <laughs> But I thought you might be interested in that, too. 888-808-8637. That is the Super Talk call line. La Nina is coming back for the third consecutive year this winter. Now, I didn't like last winter, but I didn't think it was much like the one before. So mm, I'm, I'm thinking I need to get educated a little bit. Fortunately, we're looking at a forecast um, from the folks at NOAA. The U.S. Winter Outlook was released this week from the Climate Prediction Center, which, of course, is part of the National Weather Service. It's all in the same house. Beginning December 2022 through February of 2023, drier than average conditions across the south, wetter than average in the Ohio Valley, the northern Rockies, the Pacific Northwest, but indeed also um, warmer than average temperatures in the southwest. So if you're a person who likes to go and vacation there, you might you might have a better time. <laughs> You, you certainly have the opportunity to look. But we do look at it being drier than average here, which is not after, was after February that really all that rain, frankly, took over my life. So. <laughs> all right. Oh, my goodness. Well, Ray's on the phone. How's things in Hattiesburg today, Ray? Hi, Ray. Welcome to Weekend Gardening. Good morning. Hi. What's on your mind? You know, I... I well, I have 25 stalks of okra in a raised bed in my backyard. And the, the main stalk, they're getting spindly, and a few of them are starting to die out. But down at the base of every stalk, there's a lot of lush leaves, foliage that have come out over the summer. And I'm wondering if it would be possible to just cut the main stalk and then try to force the the foliage that's coming out at the base of the plant to produce and maybe be able to cover it when the first freeze comes and keep it alive for a little longer. There's no reason why that won't work. The only other thing I might suggest is cutting those tall stems about halfway down so you have part of the structure to hold the cover. 
Do you see what that's, I'm saying? That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Okay. <laughs> if you do want them. Do you want them, you want them to stop? Do you want them to stop trying to grow? And by cutting them in half, that will work, and the bottom will be stimulated, particularly if you give it just a little bit of fertilizer. And you should. I mean, there. Who knows? It, it's it's already been cold, but now it's warm. It's going to be cold, and then it's going to be warm. You maybe have an okra for New Year's, and I'll be jealous. <laughs> Well, it, you know, I have plenty of leaves coming out at the base of these things. I know the tops are going to die out pretty soon anyway. Mm-hmm. So if I do cut them off halfway, should I use like a pruning sealer? No. Stems? It's okay. not necessary. They're going to dry down anyway. Okay. But it, 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 all it's going to do is give you, you know, just one part of the, the thing to cover it up. It'll just help a little bit. But okra can be right. very strong. Okay. So. Yeah. I'd be surprised. Now, if you, you have to call me back and tell me if it sprouts at the top again, because it shouldn't do that, but it might. We'd love to hear about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. What variety you, is it, Ray? What variety do you grow? It's Clemson Spineless. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. Thank you very like much. Let me know how it goes, all right? I want to report Christmas week. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye. Take care. <laughs> yes, I am wishing people happy Halloween today occasionally, only because I feel like October must have gotten to be longer. Everybody's already doing all their Halloween stuff. Well, I, and you're, you're dressed appropriately. I, I, have, on, I have on the black and the, and the, the orange it looks today. Amazing. It, this is This is the only time I can do this. Man, <laughs> Ken Hackman will be here next week, and y'all can literally whoop it up over over halloween with ken um i I will be dog sitting and that's fun so i'm looking forward to that you're doing what yes that's right (laughs) i'm dog sitting (laughs) come on she's almost as old as i am she doesn't need to go to the vet for a week or you know be boarded for a week she needs her grandmother (laughs) breaks my heart every time i have to drop my dog off or or one of my dogs at the vet. You know, they. It was funny. My mom, she's uh, seventy four, and she always says, "You know, they just love going so much. They treat them so well, and they bathe them." I'm like, "Mom, <laughs> it all know, depends on the animal." Yeah, I mean, they seem to be okay with it, but it's obvious when they get back, they're very happy to see you. Yes, so, they you are. Know. They're happy to show off how clean and cute they are. <laughs> That's right. That's part of it. I, I have had dogs that literally would leap out of the car and into the vet's office and sit still until somebody came to get them. I have had others that, if you didn't have a box, they weren't going to go in at all. <laughs> and it's the same vet, the same situation. But it's true, every, everybody is a little bit different. And uh, that that's part of what makes animals so much fun to be around. No question about that. I hope that you are, if you are doing pumpkins and all of these various and sundry incarnations of, of real pumpkins... <laughs> Why do we bake things into the shape of pumpkins? Can I just ask that? I mean, why? Do, anyway, whole point of pumpkins is because you can take the insides out and then eat them. That's part of where all this started, was that the hard shell was left over after you harvested all of the stuff on the inside, so why not put a candle in there and see what happens? It's, it's a, an amusing way to reuse what you've just taken the food out of. But if you're not into that, and I understand why you wouldn't be, after you carve the pumpkin, take all of the goop that you've drawn out of the middle of it and put it in a sack in your refrigerator. I'm serious now. And then 
when it comes time, because the pumpkin's starting to list, you know, or it's getting to be close to Thanksgiving and it's sort of sinking on your front porch, bury it with the stuff that was in it and anything else that you, you can find. Get, let your kids decide what to put in there. Um, we've, we've put in plastic cars. We've put in wax candy. We've put in just a whole bunch of things over the years. Because then next spring when you dig it up, it's a very serious object lesson in what decomposes and what doesn't. And it's a, if, if you teach them that, they know forever that organic things decompose. Plastic, not so much. And now, of course, we're more concerned about all of that than we've ever been because there's so many more to worry about. So definitely got, definitely got all of that coming along. Speaking of worrying, I just looked at what song is going to come up. We're worrying this morning. I have to stop that. <laughs> Jason. Oh, hey, Jason. What's going on? Um, I don't know, Jason. I'll have to look up and see if I can figure out the answer to that. That's That's difficult. It's hard to control grassy weeds, grasses and other weeds in clover plantings. That's part of why we plant the clover so thickly and why, generally speaking, we at least cultivate the area before we plant. So I'll see if I can find you something. I don't know a product that will do that without damage to the clover. But if it's a selective weed, if it's a selective herbicide for grass, it should tell you on the label whether or not it's going to have any impact or not on other plants. But I'll look it up. Yep, see, I don't know everything. I know a lot, but I don't know everything. I do know, however, that this is the one and only amazing Stevie Wonder. You know, I speak very, very fluent Spanish. Everybody's got a thing, but some don't know how to handle it. Always reaching out in vain, just taking the things my worth has. But don't you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing, mama. This is Jake Mangum, player for the New York Mets organization and former Mississippi State Bulldog. I know a thing or two about the value of a strong team. Farm Bureau works hard to get me through thick and thin. They've got exceptional customer service and competitive insurance rates that keep me protected. If you aren't already on the team, it's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. It's creepy and it's kooky, mysterious and spooky. It's the Adams Family Fortune, the new scratch-off game from the Mississippi Lottery. Win a top prize of $100,000. This ticket is a treat that you don't have to be scared of. Just scratch off spooky numbers to match the creepy numbers. And if there's a potion bottle, voila, you win double the prize. You can even win if you reveal a bat under the bonus spot. Watch the Adams Family TV series, now available on DVD, Blu-ray, and most streaming digital platforms. Gameway Prom, call 1-800-522-4700. It's a new day because COVID vaccines just got a big update. So all the big stuff coming up this fall, well, now you can say, you bet I'll be there. Because updated COVID vaccines protect against both the original COVID virus and Omicron. And everyone five and older can get one. So this is a moment we've all been waiting for. Find updated COVID vaccines at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. 
At Community Bank, we believe our success lies in our continued commitment to community and upholding the same small-town values that we were founded upon. We are relationship bankers. Whether you're trying to grow your business, grow your savings for your future, or building your dream home for your family, we are committed to helping you achieve your goals. Community Bank, a bank that knows community. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. Celebrating our 40th anniversary at Cock of the Walk. Voted the best catfish in Mississippi with our grilled or fried catfish along with greens, coleslaw, and a skillet of our homemade cornbread. With locations on the Reservoir, Pocahontas, and one mile from the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee. Catfish, hush puppies, and fried dill pickles. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. I like chicken. I like fish. I like hush puppies. I love it. Catfish is excellent. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. Are you a hard worker? Are you dependable? Do you have a good attitude? Do you want to be part of a team? If so, the Black Label Bridge Builders at Key Constructors offers lead men and women purpose-driven career opportunities with on-the-job and outside training, leadership development, and benefits. To learn more about what it takes to be a Black Label Bridge Builder, please visit Key's website at keyconstructors.com. Please also follow at Key Constructors on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to see regular updates on the Black Label Bridge Builders. Garden Mama here. Lakeland Yard and Garden Center has what you're looking for in its full-service nursery and garden center, greenhouse, and garden shop. Meet the professional staff at Lakeland, always ready to help you with trees and shrubs and patio furnishings, tables and cushions for entertaining, as well as pumpkins and pansies, plus soils, mulches, and amendments for your landscape and container plants. Lakeland has seeds and plants for your fall vegetable garden, too. Listen to your mama now. We're growing your way at Lakeland Yard and Garden Center, Lakeland Drive and Airport Road. At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we do. Come and listen in to the radio station where the mighty hosts of heaven sing. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you want to hear the songs of Zion coming from the land of endless spring, get in touch with God. Get touch with God. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Thank you so much for turning your radio on today or your app or your computer or wherever you're listening whenever. might be on demand, might be a rebroadcast, might be a podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. Me and John Hartford both appreciate that. Well, you know, at some point, I think every human being, not just me, has wanted to indulge in a fantasy of moving to the galaxy far, far away. Now, granted, I have options, not necessarily for the options of far, far, that far away, but when you think about moving and you think about relocating entire civilizations, you kind of need a guidebook. I wouldn't think of going, well, the first time I went to Mexico, I probably had more knew, knew more than I needed to know, but I still think you should know a little bit more about places that you're going to visit. And now we've got a computerized system to classify the atmospheres of planets and identify those that, well, you know, 
might indulge future human settlements. Mm-hmm. That's right. This is from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. The research framework has developed, as well as the, the information from the Webb Space Telescope, is helping scientists begin to put together a sorting system. I don't, I don't, I don't think we invented the sorting hat in Harry Potter, but the idea that we have to sort information and we have to sort things and we have to sort people does make a lot of sense. And in this particular case, this this work is being done to, with, as usual, a collaboration of groups and and scientists from around various <laughs> everywhere. Barcelona, <laughs> the the James Webb, tel- Webb Telescope, and of course information from coming out now in the Astrophysical Journal. What they're trying to do is study the atmosphere of distant planets and locate those that would be suitable for our type of life without having to visit them physically, which is, of course, very wise since visiting them physically would be pretty difficult even at this point. I love that they're doing this. Um, uh, they fo- the, study, the first part of the study focused on the increase in carbon dioxide in extreme weather conditions and on the rate of changes in weather on the planet. If that doesn't tell you something, it should. We do have to be concerned about the extremes, the variables. The uh, My heat's on this morning, my air conditioner's coming on this afternoon kind of world, you know, like we live in. No, I didn't let the air conditioner come on, but I did turn the fans on. That was a good thing. So at any rate, we, we might... Um, in addition to understanding a little bit more about the way that all of this could indulge us in the future fantasies that we want to have, if not the true flights, who knows, we might. It could also help us understand by looking at these other places, these other atmospheres, we could understand how ours changes and grows over time. So it all makes a bunch of sense. I'm, I got to tell you, though. I hope they give them names, because what we're looking at, the one that they first examined is the TRAPPIST-1E, and it's an acronym for heavenly, all kind of stuff, words that don't, anyway, 40 light years from Earth, and James Webb will be documenting it in great detail come next year. Pretty fun. I know James Webb is not the fanciest telescope, but it still has a lot of work to do. Still has lots and lots of work to do. Well, you know, I pulled up so much information about roots this week, um, just in in reading things, in working on some things that I'm I'm doing, but also in preparing for the show. And now I have too much root information. Roots and garlic. For some reason or another, those were both all over my desk this week. And I'm I'm going to tell you that. Um, Adapting your soil to the way that we live and to what you're going to find when you dig into it is the subject of this huge bit of information that I'm not going to detail out to you. But I will tell you that the BBC on their website has some 21st century gardening things. BBC's always been known for beautiful stories and flowers and covering all of the shows and all of that kind of stuff magnificent documentaries of the the royal gardens and those kinds of things just beautiful stuff but this is nuts and bolts stuff it's not the it's not the fancy schmancy this is literally the here's what the root on a legume looks like you know, kind of stuff so if you're interested in it please get yourself over there um the the bbc's website is easy to access on just about anything the reason that i was attracted to it is because it popped up in my feed as 
your garden's hidden half. I never thought of that. I know it's the hidden half. I get that. But in some cases, it it really is a little too hidden. We need to bring the subject of roots out into the forefront a little bit more often than perhaps we do. I have to say, I'm amazed at some of the things that have managed to make it in my very, very dry, the dry, dry, dry parts of my garden. And there's stuff coming up now that's just beautiful. It's going to be a good year. A good year going forward. Let me see. Oh, Ray and Clinton on the text line. Oh, that's pretty. Full sun all afternoon (laughs) in the deer buffet. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. It's It's a struggle sometimes. They're big pots. They are multicolored. They are themselves quite lovely. So they could easily be, dare I say it, not exactly the same. Oh, my goodness. I know. Everybody wants the two pots outside the front door to be exactly the same. And if that's the case, what you need are two small shrubs. Um, I would probably do a juniper, might do a colorful mandina because they'd be the same colors as part of that decoration on the container itself. But i got to say, with a space that large, I'm going to put in a really, really large collection of daffodils and probably some pansies at the edges with something in the center. Now, the something in the center can be a small tree that you intend to transplant out later, that you just want that color to come up by the door, that would be pretty. But it's also possible that you might want to put a couple of vegetables in there. And I'm going to tell you that there's nothing prettier than a broccoli plant. I know it's the front of your house, but why not? Grow a Brussels sprout in one, grow a broccoli in the other, and then when those are harvested, you'll be it'll be time to plant something else. But don't forget the daffodils and pansies. There's not any reason not to do that. Oh, and when to plant river birches. Um, anytime. I'm not going to do it this week because we're about to heat up one more time. But I would say anytime November through February is ideal. However, if you get some rain this week, you may want to plant right after that if it cools off. Because it, you just need conditions that are not getting hotter and not getting drier. So if you can provide the water, that's part of it. But it's also true that you need to watch those temperatures. We don't want them to be. We don't want things to be dried out before they even get in the ground. Transplant shock is a real thing, you know. Transplant shock is, um, well, one, one one of the landscapers I worked for said that transplant shock was what we blamed when Nobody watered the, whatever we planted. We just call it trans because you don't want to tell your client that they should have watered because you've already told them to water and they didn't. So let's call it transplant shock. That's not true. Transplant shock can actually happen to a plant that is even watered. For example, if you plant a shrub and it rains just, say, an inch, let's say it rains an inch the first week, the roots of that shrub may stop working because they're overwhelmed with water. And therefore, transplant shock hits, the top of the plant wilts, and it may or may not recover. All right? It's also true, though, that if you have healthy roots and a good situation and the top is three feet tall and there's only six inches of roots, the roots have just been taken out of a container container, excuse me, and shoved into the ground, even carefully, even gently, 
they're going to be disrupted. So that's why we prune the top of the plant to prevent the transplant shock. It's also why we make sure to water in. I've heard that root stimulator fertilizer is really the the landscaper's way of saying water the plant because if you water it in with root stimulator, you're at least going to get water to it. That's all true, but there are there are beneficial substances that the the in in root stimulator fertilizer that are not just they're not just there for nothing. They're going to be rooting stimulators as well as a little bit of fertilizer. So those are good. Um, compost tea has the same, if not better, benefit. And there there are wonderful formulations of verma, from vermiculture, everything in, in that world. Because we're trying to get the roots not only to be hydrated, but also to grow. Okay? That's why we do that. Super good question. I have had goldfish. Now... I will tell you that goldfish are dirty. They're beautiful, but oh my goodness, they create quite a mess. They are, however, really fun to watch. And if, like me, you've ever had a cat that was fascinated by a tank of goldfish and just sat and watched them swim around until you got worried about them. Now, there's a top on. She couldn't get in there. But it was still pretty fascinating to see how that went the fish were not even the least bit bothered by it but when we do have goldfish we have different they're just different for some reason or another they're different from the other tropical fish that i've had from the tetras and that and they're certainly different from the fish that you you might consider um shall we say a little bit too big to go into your tank some of the fish that we fish for there are in every one of us mammals and birds and reptiles we all have the ability to figure out the the basic structure the underpinning if you will of spatial navigation as it's called um where the door frame is so that when you go through it you go through it and don't hit the door frame all right where the thing is that you're trying to walk past without hitting it that's why it can become so exciting at times for one to try and carry too many packages through a door that is narrower than you and the packages. Sometimes you can turn sideways. Sometimes that doesn't work either. Uh-huh. Two trips is often called for. But to investigate whether or not fish have a similar or a different kind of navigation system to those of us that are working on the surface of the earth, the researchers from the University of Oxford got into the goldfish. What they wanted to test was a specific task that has to be done in order to know if you know where you're going, if you, if you can do that spatial mapping. And in this case, yep, they really, their goldfish are better than some of us. I want to see the video where Dr. Adelaide Sibo trained the nine goldfish. <laughs> you know you want to see this. Anyway, um, that they were within a narrow tank and a repeating pattern of vertical stripes just every tiny little bit. So on reaching the distance that she was trying to train them to, the fish were then prompted by an external clue, cue rather, to turn around and swim back to start. Well, why would they do this? Obviously, everything does this for some sort of treat, food, reward, all of those kinds of things. But what they did was to then test whether or not the fish would swim the same distance if that external cue was removed and 
the starting point was changed. They also tested to see whether the goldfish would go the same distance if the background looked different. Guess what? The goldfish are not fooled. Most of them, eight out of nine, accurately estimated the distance and got there and got back correctly. They continued to swim that same distance even when everything else was changed. I just really love this. Now, they overestimated a little bit, okay, when the background was changed because that is a fundamental difference. That's as if you change the width of the door that you're trying to get me to walk through, okay? You change those basic background things, things are going to change. But I love this last piece. They took the striped pattern that they were having them swim and turned it into a checkered pattern, and the goldfish just said, uh-huh, okay, fine, and went ahead and swam what they were supposed to swim. How do you train goldfish? My, my question for today, how do you train goldfish? I want to see that part of the video. But anyway, now we know that goldfish can estimate distances, in some cases, better than us. And yes, that the spatial mapping properties in water are essentially the same as they are out of water. You still have to know where the door frame is. They found it. Do you ever have a word, and no matter how many times you look at it, it doesn't look right, and you keep saying it wrong? <laughs> I think we all have that. Mine for today is Aldabra. I'll tell you what that is when we get back around over here. I'll also tell you that 250 kilograms is more pounds than you might think. All right? Now, come on. It's a beautiful day. You're a gardener. I'm a gardener. Let's talk. Stick around. This is Ernie Johnson, Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. And college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. Hey, this is Bob, and if you're like me, you like dealing with local people. Majestic Metals was founded in Mississippi in 1954 and are headquartered right in Gluckstadt. For complete metal building systems and steel roofing and siding, call the hometown folks. Majestic Metals, 800-647-8540 or online at MajesticMetalsINC.com. 
Are the trees and shrubs running your yard instead of you? Let the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros take out your problem limb by limb. Baroni's Tree Pros is your complete tree, shrub, and stump removal service. No job is too big for the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. And with our superior cleanup, you can't go wrong. Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at baroniestreepros.com. That's baroniestreepros.com. Finish a college course in half or even a quarter of the time. I just finished psychology class in one month. How awesome is that? Computer applications one month? Record time, baby. American history, four weeks. Done. I love it. Finish an entire college class in half the time. You're done in as little as one month. At Holmes Community College. It's so fast. An entire college class in half the time? Yes, I just finished another one. Enroll today at Holmes Community College. No place like Holmes. No place like Holmes. Everyone loves 90s country, and nobody does it better than Mustache the Band. You've seen them in Starkville. You've seen them in Oxford. Now see them live on the main stage at Holmes Community College's 2022 Homecoming. Mustache the Band is a nonstop party. Want to be there? Make a dash for the stash. At Holmes Community College's Homecoming Bash in Goodman, Thursday, October 27th. For all the details, check out homescc.edu. Wear your boots, and we'll see you there. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. The Philly Cheesesteak Sandwich or Wrap, Melt-in-Your-Mouth Pulled Pork Sandwich, and the best burger in the Metro. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events. But thanks to two men and a truck, Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need. A professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. Having any electrical problems? LaValley Electrical Services. We install new switches, breakers, relays, and Kohler generators. LaValley Electrical Services. We handle new lighting fixtures, ceiling fans, electrical outlets, and LED lights. LaValley Electrical Services. 601-228-9969. 601-228-9969. That's 601-228-9969 or online at lavalleyservices.com. That's lavalleyservices.com. In my backyard, a little hoe and a little mowing, but the work ain't hard. It's the cutest little place that you ever did see. I've been working in the garden till I turn green. Kermit says it's not easy being green, but those of us around here find it pretty easy to be greener than we were yesterday. And that's because the temperatures are moderating. We're having the opportunity to look at all the fall and winter gardening that we can put into our little hands. And indeed, it's a great time to be a gardener. We got more options than most people. We we want to you want to eat, grow food. You want flowers, grow flowers. What you want? Let's go. You know, we can grow trees, shrubs, lawns, everything. Let's get busy with it. Now, Hermania Yes, lives in the Zurich Zoo. Does this sound like a children's book? I think it probably should be one. She is an Aldabra giant tortoise that I have 
every time I've read about this tortoise, and there have been several times over the years, I keep wanting to call her something else. I either want to call her Alhambra or I want to call her Abracadabra. or there's a, I just can't get past Aldabra. It's too beautiful of a word. I need, it needs more syllables. I, when I first saw it, I, I thought abracadabra See, too. So I'm thinking just like you, you can't know. help yourself. Yeah. You know, it just jumps into your head because we don't have that many opportunities to say abracadabra either. So anyway, Aldabra, whose name is Hermania, is trying to be the forefront, and by little did she know, she absolutely is. She there there are genomes to be decoded, and it, as creatures do unfortunately go extinct we've got to keep up with what else there is so we know what we have lost and what we need to encourage perhaps in some other formation the findings of course will help the threatened species of that particular group even if one of them does not make it so this year the researchers of the at the university of zurich went over and said hermione we would really like to decode your genome she of course said sure what else is she going to say? They feed her. But anyway, northwest of Madagascar in the Indian Ocean, I've never been to Madagascar. Probably not going to go to Madagascar, but I really have a fascination with it. It's it's kind of like Botswana. There are places that I don't know that I'll ever go, but I just have read so much and enjoyed the descriptions of their landscapes and whatnot that I would really like to see Madagascar. This one is the only surviving animals in the wild in this particular group, the Aldabra tortoises, are, are on, surprisingly, Aldabra atoll. I always wonder who named which first. But anyway, it's probably the turtle was not first. Anyway, they're trying now to understand their genome so that that can inform not only the preservation of their species, but of other giant tortoise species. So that's why they also study everything from where they live to what they eat to how long they can go without drinking anything. To, I mean, they just, there's all sorts of things that they study, particularly on the ones in the wild. But you can't necessarily get enough of their DNA to go through the whole genome, and that's where Hermania comes in. in by comparing that reference genome to that of the 30 tortoises that are currently living, that's all that's left, on the Aldabra Atoll. The researchers were able to really put to a point the value of knowing these reference genomes. Not only were they able to describe and and differentiate between the populations of tortoises there, but also they could basically, you know, know your roots. They could tell Hermania which family she came from. Isn't that amazing? It's so interesting. They also are working on studying the harmful mutations in the genome that perhaps is the things that are causing those not those those particular tortoises not to live as long as they used to. So by studying all these things, thanks to Hermania, at the Zurich Zoo, we have the opportunity to know more than we did. And by the way, she can live to be a hundred years old and is getting close. She doesn't. She's a little more svelte than this, but this particular giant tortoise can be up to 250 kilograms, which in case you didn't know, and if you went to school in America like I did, you probably have to look it up like I did, that's 550 pounds. I always double it, but I always add a little more 
And when I looked it up, I, I was right. Double it and add a little more. A turtle that's five feet and 550 yeah. pounds. And it's second, it says. Oh, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. To the Galapagos. Yeah, that's not the largest species. That's amazing. No. Well, we, you know, here in, here in the world, we have interesting things. We have stuff. We have creatures. We have critters. And sometimes we find the ones that we're looking for, and sometimes we don't. But in this particular case, well... They, they've found a new species of deep-sea fish in the Atacama Trench. I always say thanks to James Cameron for any of those findings because he's the only one with enough money to go there <laughs> or that would spend it on it. A small blue snailfish. Had to be blue, right? Okay, I'm sorry. That's a little too stereotypic. But in 2018, they studied the trench, and indeed this is the, the west coast of South America, um, if you've never thought about this before, and, and I'm glad to, that I had this reference to bring to you because I had forgotten it myself, it's the reverse of the Andes Mountains. Okay, that's why it's so deep and unexplored. If you think about it, I don't know about you, I've always thought about going to Machu Picchu, but the chances of that are pretty slim too, partly because I'm not a mountain climber and never <laughs> intended to be one. I'm from the flatlands. But at any rate, they're not other this this tiny little blue fish is different from the other little blue fish okay and that's really kind of wonderful marine biodiversity is where you can find more information about it but it is the opportunity to study a fish that there are plenty of to understand how fish can live at that depth and that's that's pretty exciting 6000 meters deep good grief at minimal deeper than that in some places Good grief. You're very welcome. I hope that'll help out. Uh, Jason and I are uh, well, Jason and I are communicating off air. I'll just tell you all that. Let's see. Um, Corinne's up. What about wintering pepper and okra plants in containers in the garage? I'd like to wait as long as I can to dig them up in their large containers now to plant in smaller containers and put them away. I'll keep covering them with frost fabric until then. I might do that. Um, if you can possibly roll the containers intact into the garage, that would be better, obviously, because you won't be disturbing the roots. And frankly, if you want to cut off the peppers and, and, and okra and trim them down a little bit with the potentiality of actually growing over the winter rather than just holding them, now would be the time to do that. And if you're going to repot them into smaller containers, cut them back some and, and stow them away. Make sure you get a good harvest first. But sooner, probably, rather than later. I don't know what the winter's going to do. If I did, I would be a rich woman, but I don't. <laughs> so, so, But my thought is, I have a couple of thoughts about overwintering peppers and okra. The first is, unless you're going to provide them with light and heat, they're probably going to be very woody by the time we get to next spring, and they may or may not come out for you in the way that you want them to. Now, that being said... I'm never going to turn down the possibility of, you know, picking okra in January, as I was talking to our caller in the, previously in the previous segment. It just makes a lot of sense to try. If you've got it going, why not try? So keep covering them up. But before it gets much colder, give yourself the chance to go ahead and do whatever work you're going to do to them. If you don't have to transplant them, don't. But if you're going to transplant them, it'd be good to go ahead and do that. Okay? Okay. Oh, I don't want to see either too much. If you're not watching today, it's probably just as well. Although I do have on good earrings. 
glass earrings. Mm, something to talk about. Something to consider. Oh, yeah, and by the way, we've got some records from Mississippi. Speaking of kilograms and meters and all these things, gracious sakes. More to come. This is Weekend Gardening. Open up the window, let me catch my breath. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. She said that ain't no way to have fun, son. That ain't no way to have fun, son. Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money, but they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all, costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, contact the Mississippi State Board of Contractors at msboc.us. This is Jake Mangum, player for the New York Mets organization and former Mississippi State Bulldog. On the field, I've got to be ready for anything. And off the field, I've still got to be ready for anything. That's why I'm excited about Farm Bureau's new auto and life insurance discount. Two things I needed a great price for my friends at Farm Bureau Insurance. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. car really scary? Well, now is the time to upgrade to a brand new vehicle from Mazda of Jackson. Every car, SUV, and crossover in stock is priced to move with ghoulish deals. <laughs> Get super low 1.9% financing for 60 months on new 2022 Mazda CX-5s. Get 2.49% financing for 36 months on new 2022 Mazda CX-5s. And get 2.9% financing for 36 months on the all-new 2023 Mazda CX-50. Buy a new Mazda, and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Plus, buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty. Is your credit history scary? Our credit team will work to get you approved no matter how many skeletons are in your closet. Bring in your current vehicle, and we'll give you the best possible price for it, no matter how creepy it is. No tricks, <laughs> just a whole lot of treats at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. MazdaofJackson.com. With approved sales, like see you for details. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson. Super Talk Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at Baroni's Tree Pros. It's Alyssa Arbuckle, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. With hostility towards law enforcement rising across the nation, House Judiciary B Committee Chairman Nick Bain told us it makes hiring police officers extremely difficult. Uh, they're having trouble recruiting. We can pay them uh, and try to increase their pay, but... What good is that going to do because of, of the way that they're being treated by the media, by the way that they're being treated by, uh, by our whole society? So we have to kind of change that culture. That's what I'm going back to. We also caught up with Lee County Sheriff Jim Johnson, who agrees with Bain. I, I used to worry about every day getting up uh, and coming to work, and you'd think about, you know, this may be my last day. But you could live with that. So you signed up for it. You yeah. volunteered for it. But now you kind of get up and go to work. You think, if I do everything right by the book, I'm still going to get in trouble. Yeah. And and that's that's tough. That's a tough sale. According to the Officer Down Memorial page, over 50 police officers have been killed so far this calendar year. From the ground up, from the grassroots, 
That's how we began in 1922, and that's how we do things today. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation celebrates 100 years in 2022. 100 years of farming, ranching, and supporting our 180,000 member families. From our state capital in Jackson to our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Creating policy, advocating for a better way of life for all Mississippi. We've been there through the tough times. When our On US-90. Triumphant times, winning the right to vote to protect private property rights for Mississippians. We introduced benefits like our insurance in the 1940s and fought to stretch broadband internet service from DeSoto County to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So, from the ground up, not just a farm organization, 100 years of strengthening our families, our communities, and our state. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and farm bureau. Fewer small business owners reported that they were having to raise prices this month, but Don McVeigh with the National Federation of Independent Small Business says that was before gas prices started going up again. And some members who, you know, some small business owners who have, have businesses that are heavy in the transportation have even higher prices associated with that. So, uh, you know, I think the next couple of months will be interesting to see, but they have hit a point where they've leveled off on the price increases because you can only go so far and still keep folks coming in your doors, right? Record high inflation could force some to make some tough decisions. They don't want to have to cut employees, but you know they may cut hours and they may start working more. We saw right after the pandemic and even earlier this year, whenever uh, the labor shortage was even worse, you know, you had a lot of owners back in their stores, back in their shops, back doing the things that they were doing when they first opened. Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. Next to the last Saturday in the month of October finds the Ole Miss Rebels at 7-0, 3-0 in the Southeastern Conference, leading the West Division. They take on the LSU Tigers this afternoon in Baton Rouge, 2.30 is the kickoff at Tiger Stadium, 12.30 is the airtime on the Ole Miss Football Network. The Tigers are 5-2, 3-1 in the Southeastern Conference. Mississippi State, meanwhile, travels to Tuscaloosa, takes on the Crimson Tide. The Bulldogs are 5-2, 2-2 in the SEC, while the Crimson Tide suffer their first loss last week to Tennessee. They're 6-1, and 3-1 and one in the SEC. 6 p.m. is the kickoff at Brian Denny Stadium. 4 o'clock is the airtime on the MSU Football Network. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles travel to San Marcos, Texas, take on Texas State. The Golden Eagles are 3-3, three 1-1 and, three, one and one in the SEC. Texas State 3-4 and 1-2. And and 4 o'clock is the kickoff. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. This is Ernie Johnson Jr., and those are the stories I love to tell in the broadcast booth. But the courage of college athletes is more than matched by another group of young men, the boys fighting Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's the most prolific genetic killer diagnosed in childhood, and there's no cure. But college football coaches are doing something about it, and you can help. It's called Coach to Cure MD. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill or go online at coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501 today. Help college football coaches cure MD. You'll be proud you did. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. 
The Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame Museum announced their class of 2023 inductees this past week. Jeff Arad, who played football for Ole Miss and nine years in the NFL for the Colts. Paul Mahala, who played baseball at Mississippi State for Ron Polk, and he is fourth all-time in strikeouts for the Bulldogs. He played 10 years in the big leagues. John Mangum, McGee, Mississippi native, who played nine years in the NFL for the Chicago Bears out of the University of Alabama. Jim Page, who coached baseball at Millsaps, College for 34 years. Tony Rossetti, who was the first marksman to be inducted in the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. Carol Ross, who played basketball for the Ole Miss Lady Rebels, coached the Lady Gators of Florida, and then came back and coached the Lady Rebels at Ole Miss. Patrick Sertain, who played four years at Southern Miss, also played in the NFL for 11 years. Lewis Tillman, who played football at Jackson State and also played in the NFL. He's on the Giants Super Bowl team in 1991 and played two years for the Bears. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Sports Mississippi. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you very, very much for being here. Thank you very much for deciding that Weekend Gardening and, yes, me, your Garden Mama, needed to be part of your day today. Could be today, right now, live, this minute. Yep, we're here. It's Saturday. That's what we do. But it might be the rebroadcast. It might be on demand. You might be pulling out a podcast. Either way, however you're doing it, thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this particular wonderful community. And quite frankly, thank you very, very much for listening to radio in whatever form you're doing. I got an interesting top of the news for you today. I don't even think Lance knows about this one, but let's see. Turns out that there were some enormous, I mean, I love the word, enormous bird mimic dinosaurs, okay, in the late Cretaceous period. At that particular time, North America, that's where we live, was indeed split in half. There were two land masses. We were pretty much on the one called the Appalachia to the east. Fossils from there are very rare, and indeed it's hard to, frankly, the UFA formation of Mississippi is not, it just, this is just a spectacular discovery, okay? Ornithomimosaurs. How wonderful is that word? Write it down. Ornithomimosaurs. These are bird mimic dinosaurs. And in fact, sort of, sort of ostrich shaped, small heads, long arms, big legs. But these are 85 million year old foot bones in this North American dinosaur evolution. We don't have that. And they're from Mississippi. I love it. It's just so exciting. Now, by the way, if you think that we have big people, we had really big dinosaurs. These were, uh, for for bird mimic dinosaurs, these were quite large. Yes, that's right. More than 800 kilograms, which translates to well more than 1,700 pounds. (laughs) So, bigger than your car and weighed more, too. Any rate, 
We have very little information about this particular um, multiple species live side by side, giant size creatures, but we don't know that much about them. Hopefully we'll be able to learn more because now we have, frankly, fossils from these marvelous ornithomimosaurs. I love it. I look forward to more and more studies of all of that to hear more about them. We've always understood that there were bird mimic ones, but and we've also understood, by the way, do you know this other word? You need you might need to know this other word. The western part of the North American continent in the Cretaceous era, Appalachia was to the the east and this was Laramidia to the west. And you you've probably run into that word at some point and now you know where it comes from. Okay? Okay, (laughs) fun stuff. Well, who would I be if I didn't bring a little information to you about the methane-eating Borgs? Yes, that's right. Now, this this is really funny. It's a it's a transferable DNA structure. So yeah, you would. It's been named the Borg with the science fiction attachment attachment to it, which makes tremendous sense. Indeed, balancing atmospheric methane is this whole thing. We understand that the Borg is a hive-minded collective. Um, It assimilates other creatures, other beings, and the whole idea there is to take over the galaxy. I don't know how to tell you this, but there was more than one kind of Borg. But anyway, that's for, if you're not if you're not if you're not with me in the Picard world, you don't know about these things. But anyway, um, but the Borgs in this case. Here on the non-fictional planet Earth, as they're always happy to tell us, Borgs are DNA packages that change. And, in fact, that's what they're talking about. So in this particular case, they've been eating the microbes on the Earth. These are methane-eating Borgs. Fascinating stuff. I love, love, love this. You know about this. I know the the methanoperidins. These are the single-celled creatures that are kind of like bacteria but are actually distinct from them we've we run into them in the studies of what's going to eat the plastic or the oil pollution or the you know we run into them in the can these guys do anything for us department okay and the other these and the other methane consuming microbes are really less common than the microbes that use photosynthesis or oxygen or even fermentation to produce their energy. So they're worthy of study simply because they are a bit rarer and because there's such an outsized role for methane in in removing methane in the processes. So it's real important for us to pay attention to this. I'm really happy that they are to let you know that they are. And indeed, there's going to be more Borgs all over the place. Hey now, Jody is, oh, Jody in Harrison County. Hey, what's going on, sir? How are things? How's the farm? Oh, I just uh, was telling Lance that I made it, I built a chicken pen, not chicken pen, a hog pen last weekend, and now I'm rebuilding a pump house that I lost in a storm two years ago. So there's there's good. always something to do. <laughs> How you been, Miss Nelly? Doing well, thank you. Getting through all this crazy uh, cold weather, hot weather business. Better than my yeah. plants. <laughs> yeah, I, I I gave up on my uh, my wife's uh, 
plants and just over you gotta have to take care of I'm tired of moving them back and forth. Um Yeah, I we was, need wheels. <laughs> um I'm gonna use the three sisters method, maybe the four sisters if I incorporate some sunflowers this year. Okay. And, Could be four sisters. Ma'am? Could be four sisters. Yep, yep. I've I've seen it done. But anyway, what what I was wondering is, is in between the mounds <clears throat> Since they're going, to, the plants are going to get their nutrition from that area of mm-hmm. the mounds. Would it be okay to put in chopped up leaves rather than fully uh, broken down compost in between? Would that hurt the plants? No, it won't hurt them as long as the as long as we're at the leaf mold stage. In other words, nothing. We don't want to put green in because that's going to turn around and take things out rather than putting in. But if we are at the leaf mold stage where things have been, you can you can still recognize that it's a leaf or a stem, but it's been broken down to a nice, generally crumbly substance, that's fine. I use it all the time. Okay. Hardly that's anything in my, at my place actually makes it to compost except the very bottom of the pile because I end up using okay. it for something. All right. I thank you, ma'am. That's now, all I'm going to, well, I'm going to ask you this now. When are you going to plant all this? When? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to plant next spring. I just Okay. Didn't, Make, know, I just put, put your soil together now. Because okay. then if there's any question of whether or not it's enough rotted, it will be. All right. Well, like I told you before, I've got 150 oak trees so i got plenty of material to work with <laughs> yeah. it's a leafy mess isn't it <laughs> no. yes, Jody, i appreciate you get get some wheeled um plant rack plant carriers for your wife so because we want you to stay there a long time and live long and prosper okay <laughs> yes. well she she's uh oh, star trek i love it i agree with you about the card um she uh she's half puerto rican and half italian so yeah i try to keep her happy I think that's one of the most beautiful potential combinations of ancestry that I can possibly imagine. I would love to meet her. You're fun, too, but I would love to meet your wife. (laughs) See you later, Jody. Thanks. Yes, ma'am. Take care now. I'll be on the coast one of these days. Wow, that's wonderful. And so many people, there's so many wonderful stories about how people with different backgrounds meet one another and fall in love. And, and then you meet their children later on and maybe you get that love story, maybe you don't. But there's always, there's always a tale to tell. Um, in my family, it tends to revolve around Welsh sea captains and their disappearing habits. But that's for another day. That's a story for another day. Oh, my goodness. Rhett's on the text line. You can be, too. 601-879-4395. That's fun. Yes, you do replant watermelon every year, Rhett. Rhett has got a little sugar baby watermelon that made it through all that cold weather. That's great. I remember when you were talking about those in the, the summertime. And that is always the question, do we have enough time? And we don't expect cold weather to the extent that we had it in central Mississippi in October, but a lot of things just went ahead and kind of bounced and kept going. Some things didn't didn't survive so well, but on the other hand, that's an adorable little sugar baby. I'm really not opposed to trying things out of season. I have to give you the, well, it could work, maybe it won't, and here's what I would do to make that happen. So I, don't, I think he's going to end up with a, a delicious watermelon here in about a minute. Because I can see that the, I can't see the top of the stem, but some of the vines have begun to die back. And of course, any kind of watermelon, no matter its size or variety, 
when it begins to get the when when it begins to get a cap on it when when the stem that goes from the plant to the fruit begins to just dry up a little bit and gets a little bit brownish you know that you're on your way to it, it finishing growing and that's the point of course where we want to ripen it makes sense to me oh my goodness insect pollination I'm still fascinated by the idea that we're going to have pollinating drones. I know drones are big in the news this week, not for such positive reasons. But in this case, the the ones that we are seeing the prototypes of and the ones that they have begun to use in closed settings are pretty fascinating little packets of technology. One of the things that you don't think about, though, is how do they tail up from down? And we understand gyroscopes, we get all of that. But for proper orientation that way, drones generally use an accelerometer, all right? Classic stuff that tells you the direction the gravity. It's like in an airplane. tells you the direction the gravity is, is, is pulling. But now, interestingly enough, scientists are discovering that we've got the opportunity to see how the drones actually detect the movement, how they're going to move before they move it, their anticipatory movements. And that, in turn, leads us back to the inspiration for these drones, which, of course, were flying insects. That helps us understand a little bit more about them, which will, in turn, inform the technology of the drones that we would really like to be autonomous. Let's face it. If I'm a farmer, I would like to just go to the barn and release the drones one day, you know, send them out to pollinate and bring them back, not have to go follow them around and track them and do all this. And autonomous drones may be a little bit scary on some levels, but I'm telling you, for pollination, we need them, and I'm looking forward to it. This new principle in robotics can also kind of meet a couple of other challenges because the difficulty is... How do you get all that pollen out there without it being a creature that's too heavy to fly? (laughs) So if we can practice in both ends of the thing, we'll have a little bit more understanding of the way insects experience and deal with gravity, and that in turn will give us better drones. I like that. Now, lest you think that I have gone off the deep end, and it's all about the Borg and the drones, and well, sometimes it is, but don't miss this. There are plants that are running out of their pollinators. They're growing away from their pollinators, either due to the, the amount of moisture in the soil, the depth of the, the drought, or the depth of, frankly, the flood. I mean, both of those things at, at their extremes can affect things. There's a rare Wyoming sagebrush called the Laramie Chicken Sage. Now, I didn't name it. I can't take credit for it. But I will tell you that it you know it's West because it's Laramie, and that's from the Laramedia that we were talking about being the original name for the, the, the western half of North America. Those words stay with us. Yes, I know, TV shows, all that kind of stuff. I get that. We're not unattached in our world from the world that came before us, okay? So the, the Laramie Chicken's Age is one of them. Fascinating. Now, there are hundreds of species of sagebrush. Primarily, as you might imagine, they're pollinated by the wind. That would make sense because that's how they are. But 
this particular rare species found only in southeast Wyoming is survives primarily through pollination by bees. And it's getting harder and harder for them and the bees to be in the same place at the same time. It is unusual. The Nordic Journal of Botany is doing this research. University of Wyoming, oh gosh, combined with so many other groups of people. The plant has large, showy yellow flower heads, which is also an indicator to you that it is going to be pollinated by an insect rather than the wind. Other sagebrushes have nondescript flowers or flowers that you would certainly not describe as showy in the way that this one is. So what they said was there might be some pollinators coming to it. Let's test it out. Let's check it out. And in fact, they are just about dependent. 60% of the viable seeds were from insect pollination. That's more than half of the future of the plant. Now, you might say to yourself, there's so much wind in Wyoming. Why would they need one that was pollinated by bees anyway? What do we care? Okay. Well, obviously, because it's part of something that exists, we don't want to lose it. But also because it teaches us so much about the lives of pollinators as well as the life of the sagebrush. So what they did was, of course, to get they found eight patches of this Laramie um, uh, chicken sage. And they did the mesh bags to prevent insect pollination and cloth bags that produce both, that reduced rather both insect and wind pollination. These are tests that are very specifically done to test these conditions without harming the plant itself. So they also trapped and examined a variety of bees at those locations and collected their pollen. All right? Well, what they have found is that it is more widespread for this one to be pollinated by bees. And looking at the time when the flower blooms and the bees are available, they can see that that distance is getting greater. So they got to figure out what to do. That's what research is about. you got a, a rare species and a, a way that propagates it that is causing problems for it. Well, then you got to give yourself the opportunity to see some more. Interesting stuff. I don't know what this plant is in the text, but I will figure it out here in just a little bit yes the rain is pretty much gone might rain a little bit when the next cool front comes through but we are looking at a solid week of what did i do with the hose nozzle if you're trying to grow lettuces and chards and mustard greens and such as that and i really hope you are because it's a beautiful bright 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 sunshiny day stick around Welcome to Doghouse Living. Our guest is Bob and his wife, Jenny, who started this craze. Well, you know, while digging, I hit a gas line and blew up our house. Well, Bob, I am just blown away. No pun intended, of course. Why wouldn't you just call 811? So, the takeaway, folks, to stay out of the doghouse, call 811 before you dig. Let's make our goal zero damages, zero injuries. 
Hello, I'm Colonel Randy Ginn, Director of the Mississippi Highway Patrol. In 2021, MHP investigated 1,480 crashes involving commercial motor vehicles on Mississippi roadways. Many of those crashes could have been avoided. The MHP Motor Carrier Safety Division is partnering with big rig truckers to conduct safety checks across our state through the Troopers and Truckers Safety Initiative. The Department of Public Safety and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration are working together with one common goal, to keep our highways safe for everyone. Thank you and drive safe. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp, and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden Center. Brighten the coming fall days and spice up your porch with the magnificent colors of cushion mums in bud and bloom. Lakeland has them. While you're there, be sure to check out the large selection of tropical plants and citrus trees for your sunroom, too. And don't forget to pick up winterizer for your lawn. Fall feeding promotes deep root growth and helps your lawn weather the winter. Listen to your mama now. We're growing your way at Lakeland Yard and Garden Center. Lakeland Drive and Airport Road. Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's handyman Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. Son, get in the car! No, Dad, not your car! It's awful! I'm scared! Is your old car really scary? Well, now is the time to upgrade to a brand new vehicle from Mazda of Jackson. Every car, SUV, and crossover in stock is priced to move with ghoulish deals. <laughs> get super low 1.9% financing for 60 months on new 2022 Mazda CX-9s. Get 2.49% financing for 36 months on new 2022 Mazda CX-5s. And get 2.9% financing for 36 months on the all-new 2023 Mazda CX-50. Buy a new Mazda, and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Plus, buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty. Is your credit history scary? Our credit team will work to get you approved no matter how many skeletons are in your closet. Bring in your current vehicle, and we'll give you the best possible price for it, no matter how creepy it is. No tricks, <laughs> just a whole lot of treats at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397-955 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. MazdaofJackson.com. With approved payouts like Mazda, you have if you're about to start a project or remodel with wood, you need to think Miller Lumber in Richland. Since 1953, we've built a solid reputation of supplying quality wood at a lower price, like western red cedar and cypress lumber, as well as a wide variety of patterns in pine, cedar, and cypress. Shop Miller Lumber for the best price new pine flooring and treated lumber in town. Miller Lumber, 551 Old Highway 49 South in Richland. Visit MillerLumberSales.com, 601-936-7099. ESISupply.net. It's not if you're going to have a spill at your business or workplace, it's when. ESISupply.net. Exorbent pads by the bundle or roll. ESISupply.net. Socknet boom products, oil gator, oil dry spill kits, and much more. ESISupply.net. Take it from Scary Gary. If it can spill, it's gonna. ESI Supply, 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910 or online at ESISupply.net.
Well, hey, yourself. Thank you so much for being here today. Got us some good questions coming in. Beautiful Voodoo Rose. Thank you, Papa D. That was lovely. Um, looking at what if if uh, if you don't know whether the plant will come back or not, just don't take all of it. How about that? Um, I don't know what this is, and I don't have a description or a note about it. So if you sent the picture with the Amazon Prime, tell me what it's supposed to be, and I'll tell you what I think about it. Um, I think that's Rhonda. Yeah, that's Rhonda. Hey. Okay. Sure. All right. Good, good, good. Let's see a bit, little bit more. Um, ah, pigweed. <laughs> hey, Mike. Yeah, we all have pigweed, don't we? It's a it's a good one. It, it's a it's a quite a it's a weed that we do. In fact, he he got it um, fighting after adding manure to the garden spot. Even when the manure is properly composted, it can still have some weed seeds in it. This is the time of year to get after it because if you let that stuff go ahead and reseed, same is true of mulberry weed. You may have heard that one at this time of year too. If they set seed, we're in, we're in much more trouble next year than we are this year. Um, if you the, the products that I use as weed control products are are corn gluten based. And for the most part, they do need a warmer temperature to work. So that might work at this point. It might not. It's the same kind of criteria as the other contact weed killers, the glyphosates and those things. They they take warm weather to work. So it's very difficult to get um, rid of anything if you're not planting the area. Of course, you can pull it all out, cover it all up with clear plastic, and that will greatly help to reduce the number of weed seeds that can sprout next year. But if it's literally all over everything, I'm going to say consider using a spray and also consider that you might want to pick another source for your cow manure next time. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Digging up uh, rose bushes and putting them in a new place anytime between November and February, that will work. And um, let's see, this Brenda's in Brandon, neem oil is this sooty mold, looks like sooty mold. The question really is whether or not there's a bigger problem. And if you're not seeing any of the scale insects, I would look up into the tree and see what it is that might be feeding on the tree that you could still do something about this year. I don't. I don't really think that it's a. I don't. I think you've done the right thing. It's a smaller problem than probably than you had. And I don't see any reason not to, uh, yeah, I don't see any reason not to do that again, maybe in three, four months. But if you can find out what the insect is that's up in the top of the tree chewing on it, you might find that you need to do a different kind of control. Okay? When to plant coral bean seeds. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. <laughs> um, we usually think of coral bean seeds that form in the fall and, and they'll drop next to the plant. And that's where the new plants come from. Generally speaking, it's a fairly, not rampant reseeder, but it is a pretty good reseeder. On the other hand, if you want to plant some from seed because you don't have them yet, um, I would think I would not plant them until January. I don't. I'm not going to set out a coral bean seed, even though it's a hardy plant. I'm not going to set out a seedling in the the late fall. It's just too much of an up and down in the weather. I'm going to wait and start them, and then plant them out in the in pleasant weather in the springtime. Okay. Oh, eight loads of gin trash. Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. Um, no, you need to mix that in now. If you've if you've got eight loads of well composted gin trash to put on an acre, now's the time. This is perfect perfect timing. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot, and that's that's the good news. I'm kind of enjoying um, these questions today because we are doing a lot of soil prep, and I was glad to begin with that this morning. It's, it really is, cliche as it may be, the, there's a reason things are cliche. It's because they have a grain of truth in them, if not uh, a lot. You know, stereotypes have at least a grain of truth in them, too. And if you're not caring for the soil, you're not going to get the plant that you could get. For example... I have some really nice thyme and and parsley and things that I started from seed. I also have some plants that I've acquired that I've made into a planter, but I had a little bit left over after that project. I'm going to plant all of them in a better soil than, frankly, they have been in. The seedlings were started in just a little seed-starting soil. That's not going to sustain them forever. And the others have been in their container for however long since they were started in their greenhouse. Both of them need a fresh soil, so I'm going to put them together and do that. I hope that you are doing such things, too. Speaking of bees, we've been, this whole business of bees and pollinators and drones and all of these things um, are just really, really having a good time, really having fun times here. And indeed, wild bees, it turns out, may be just as happy in the tops of trees, like you didn't know that. Um, one of the things that I did show to people who came to my unfortunate garden during the bottle tree tour is that my one thing that would be full tilt still blooming is the vitex but it's gone to seed because it's so dry and even so because there's a few flowers you can still hear the tree humming from down below (laughs) i mean it's a wonderful wonderful attractor for pollinators and a, a plant that i can't really do without anymore but we've always thought about bees as being sun loving because you see them you know bopping around in the sun on the flowers and this and that However, a new study coming out today from the University of East Anglia, coming out yesterday, I'm sorry, um, lets us know that really, just like we've talked here about um, the work that's been done to identify and, and map out all of the native bees in Mississippi, this is a similar project being done for this particular sunlit woodland canopy bees. In other words, there is sun there but it's still the wood. So what bees are there as opposed to the bees that are down in the lower part of the property? It's fascinating stuff. Nectar and pollen-rich sycamores, of course, are very, very popular along with our friends there that you would expect the bees to fly up and check it out. But we have other bees that just live up there. I love that they're working on this um, for habitats in the canopy, understory, at the woodland interior, and then at the edges. So you really do have to look at all four things. There, the, in the canopy, high up, there's a diversity of bees, but they're different from the ones in the understory. Not everybody likes heights, I suppose. Fun stuff. And indeed, inside the woodland, they were just as, as plentiful as they were at the edges, which was another thing that we would not have thought based on those criteria that we have for more sunlight, more pollen, more bees. Well, not always. Not always. Thank you. For, it's very kind of you when you write in to say thank you for your help. 
you're you're absolutely um you're more than welcome thank you um i'm never this is a question about using just gin trash um in a raised bed i'm not ever in favor of just one organic matter because the the combination is so much more powerful than the sum of its parts <coughs> excuse me it's so much more powerful than the sum of its parts that's why, generally speaking, we want those different sizes to work together. And we also have some really, really good soil. And we, so we want some of that native soil involved, too, because it has minerals and it has qualities for holding itself together that none of the other organic matters really have, um, partly because most of our soils being clay, they're flat they're tightened up against one another so part of the job of that gin trash or any other organic matter is to open that just a little bit so that the roots can push through it and the moisture can get to the plant okay so if we're only doing gin trash it's gonna be kind of loosey you know it'd be like just planting in straight sand you'd be doing a lot more fertilizing than you might think about you look like you're about to say something lance you know, I had a question when you're going back on the bees, and I didn't want to interrupt your thought, but the um, we have a big, you know, a bunch of stumps that are uh, old stumps, old oak trees that have been, you know, they'd fallen over, and one in particular is on the edge of about a, you know, an eight or ten acre field that is a uh, mostly just wild. Yeah, grown stuff. It's nothing. Uh, every year we'll plant a little something on it. But I was amazed at, at the number of bees that had taken habitat in the stump. I'd never seen that before, and it was thousands and thousands. Now, I should say that there are a bunch of beehives professionally done within about a quarter mile. But uh, that was just very uh, informative to me to know that there are different bees at the heights on the edge of mm-hmm. you know a forest or, or you know large trees, and then. In the field, I kind of thought they were kind of the same thing, but I'd never seen them there. They they took habitat this year, and it was amazing. And now they're all they just left. You know, they just seem to take off and go and back. Thanks for gone now. <laughs> right. Well, bees do that. Bees have different. They're they're one of the things that we understand as people study more about bees and as they bring more information to us is the diversities of their behaviors and the amount of pollen that they can carry. We've always heard the stories about. You know, honeybees shouldn't be able to fly because of the nature of their wings is not strong enough for their bodies. We add the pollen load to it, and it looks it, it physically doesn't seem as if they could do that, but actually they do, and that's part of the joy I think of learning that there's more than one kind. Um, I would I would immediately like to think that those ones in your stump escaped from the hives and decided that they weren't going back. You know, they were just going to live in this wilder environment. But the truth is, overpopulation in a hive or overpopulation in a wild wild habitat will oftentimes push bees to live someplace else because there are there. It's the same thing that we do when we try to exclude the insects that we don't want. We're also trying to include the ones that we want. Um, I'm always reminded of the the people that spray and spray and spray for white flies and then look over and don't realize that the shrub next to the flowers that they were worrying about, the gardenias that they probably experienced them on, the, the, the privet next to it is where they actually live. You touch the privet and your whole arm is covered up in white flies. So if, we not, if we're not looking a little bit wider in the habitat, we may miss where we actually need to either encourage or discourage, <laughs> depending on either one of the other of those. 
I like that. Both of those things make a lot of sense. <laughs> there have been so many bits and pieces today of what am I going to do next? Should I cut the okra back? Should I dig it up and put it in the garage? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? I'm always in favor of that, but I have to tell you that don't forget, now that we're towards the end of October, it's time to be thinking about green peas and and sugar snaps and all of the other things that we might want to cover up, but that might be a little bit fresher for us. I don't know. Just just my thought. Just my thought. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I did not know. So many things I don't know. I really did not know how many people worry about what they forgot. And now that we've become, as a society of human beings, more and more conscious of the ways, frankly, we're living longer, so we're seeing things in our brains that weren't necessarily there. I've said this before, and if my children are listening, I apologize to them. They're full-grown. They can listen to this show if they want to, or if they don't, I appreciate them when they do. But they worry more about me now, you know? Decades go by, and they're, they, it's, it's, a, it's a surprise. It's not, it, they've always been caring and, and wonderful children, of course, because they're mine. But that's one of the things that I believe that people are starting to understand, in part because things were so separated during the pandemic. I've heard many places talk about they, they go to visit a congregate living facility, for example, and they've put in a garden because they did that during the pandemic so people would have something to do. And now they're continuing because it turns out that people like it. People are enjoying it. And all of those things, one of the people I ran into this week was talking about how much he had forgotten about gardening until the facility where he's living put in some flower boxes and and vegetable boxes, and he was trying to tell them they should grow the flowers with the vegetables, which, of course, is okay from my point of view, but might have messed up their design. I don't know. I'm not judging. But I thought it was really interesting that that's one of the things that we can use to help us get either slow down the process of forgetting or give us the opportunity to rebound some of the memories that we may have, have lost for a moment. Iowa State University says that there's two things that are the key to success in trying to learn a new hobby. There's spacing and the retrieval practice. And I really do think that that's very true. I'm, I'm not always persuaded by these things, but if we can forget a little bit less because we put something in our head that gives us the spot for it, which is what spatial recognition basically is. If we do that consciously, we will end up with a little bit more on our plate and less that we forgot. Now, it's still true, friends. If you put the keys in the freezer, it's not a big deal unless that's where you think they belong. Stick around. We'll be right back. From the ground up, from the grassroots. That's how we began in 1922, and that's how we do things today. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation celebrates 100 years in 2022. 
100 years of farming, ranching, and supporting our 180,000 member families. From our state capital in Jackson to our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Creating policy, advocating for a better way of life for all Mississippi. We've been there through the tough times when Hurricane Katrina blew ashore. There is extensive damage on U.S. 90. Triumphant times, winning the right to vote to protect private property rights for Mississippians. We introduced benefits like our insurance in the 1940s and fought to stretch broadband internet service from DeSoto County to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So, from the ground up, not just a farm organization, 100 years of strengthening our families, our communities, and our state. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. 100 years of faith, family, and Farm Bureau. Longevity means something when you do business. And since 1871, the family atmosphere has been the cornerstone at Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton. Stop in to shop the huge selection of Deer Camp specials to get you ready for that big buck. Are you ready to move that project to the front burner? Gaddis McLaurin has the lumber you need to make that fall project come into focus. And Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile is ready to help you get that fall garden in tip-top shape. Family is in the name at Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton. We'll see you soon. When you choose Roto-Rooter, you'll get honest estimates and no hassle guarantees so you can get it fixed quickly and enjoy peace of mind. We're there for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, day and night, holidays, and weekends. We've been providing service to Mississippi for over 80 years. Call the original Roto-Rooter, 601-353-3333. Mention this ad to receive $25 off any service. Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. And a winkle troubles down the drain. Roto-Rooter. It's a new day because COVID vaccines just got a big update. So all the big stuff coming up this fall, well, now you can say, you bet I'll be there. Because updated COVID vaccines protect against both the original COVID virus and Omicron. And everyone five and older can get one. So this is a moment we've all been waiting for. Find updated COVID vaccines at vaccines.gov. We can do this. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Digital banking from the Citizens Bank is great if you're like me, a shall we say, night person. With our secure online banking and mobile app, you can bank on your own time. With a touch of the screen, you can pay bills, make deposits, even transfer funds on the fly. See digital banking in a new light, just not sunlight. (laughs) Download the app today. The Citizens Bank, member of DIC. Magnolia Health is made for Mississippi. A statewide network of specialists and primary care physicians at more than 17,000 locations. Community outreach programs and quality jobs for nearly 400 Mississippians. Our commitment to building healthier communities in Mississippi has never been stronger. Learn more at magnoliahealthplan.com slash benefits. Having any electrical problems? LaValley Electrical Services. We install new switches, breakers, relays, and Kohler generators. LaValley Electrical Services. We handle new lighting fixtures, ceiling fans, electrical outlets, and LED lights. LaValley Electrical Services. 601-228-9969. 601-228-9969. That's 601-228-9969 or online at lavalleyservices.com. That's lavalleyservices.com. Good place in the New 
York Cemetery. It was a zombie jamboree. Took place in the New York Cemetery. Zombies from all parts of the island. Some of them were great Californians. Since the season was carnival, oh, they got together in Bacchanal. They were singing back to back blue, belly to belly. Well, I don't give a damn 'cause I'm stoned already. Back to back blue, belly to belly. It's a zombie jamboree. Thank you very much. Now, here's the thing. This is insane. I do not believe in zombies. I know y'all are out there. You're listening. I hear from you. But I do not believe in you. I do, however, greatly appreciate rockapella and acapella music. And once a year, I just have to hear that little tune. So thank you for indulging me. And if it's in your head all day like it will be, congratulations. You have an earworm <laughs> that will last through Halloween. <laughs> it reminds me of the the uh, Roger Moore James Bond, where the you know it's set in the, in the Caribbean, and they have the zombies and the guy, the Seven Up guy. Uh, well, he jumps yes, out. Yeah, it's a yes, great one. It, there, and, and and when I say I don't believe in y'all, I recognize that I'm being a little bit well human, but that's the way that is. One of the fun things about um, doing this program is that I get to hear from people all over the place. Today, I have a celebration of red worms here on the texts. Yes, delightful, wonderful creatures to encourage, and been having a great conversation with Cheryl um, about bees. She's a beekeeper in Clinton. Um, by the way, somebody just gave me some delicious honey. Anyway, uh, oh, John, that's beautiful. That's really pretty, 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 pretty. I, 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 I'm a big fan of the way cypress trees change color, and the pictures that come from the swamp are always just I, I don't know why I haven't ever planted a cypress tree in my front yard, except I like to be able to see the street. <laughs> and after a few years, you can't because they just start massive. You right. know? So, the colors are just so amazing. Yeah. I love going from you know summer where we just came, and then you get into the rust and the grays, uh, you know, and then they, they mix with the brown delta water. It's just it's just such works. a you it know, just soothing. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. People. We take it for granted sometimes, you know, but people come from all over the world to see the beauty that is our state. And if we want to talk about fall color, we have it. We have plenty. A lot of it's, frankly, prettier than some of those other places. And this time of year, you're going through the hill country in North Mississippi, and you get the uh, the, the grasses, the, you know, the waist-high grasses. And I never yeah. know what they are, but the colors, <laughs> you know, they're, they're amazing. And, you know, just wild grass, but as they change from the yellows to the browns, and, yep. I mean, man, it's, it's, it's just beautiful. breathtaking. It's beautiful. This morning, driving down the road, um, just in town, I had the beautiful goldenrod followed by bone set, followed by that broom sedge that you're talking about. And it's it's the colors that other people try to find. And we just, we have them everywhere. It's a delight. Such a pretty time of year. Such a pretty, pretty time of year. I, um, I don't know if I want to know this, but we all probably do need to know it. One of the things that happens after wildfires and hurricanes and even tornadoes, but particularly the things that tear up such a large amount of area, as all those can do, is uh, try to figure out what happened to the creatures. And you may or may not know this, but Los Angeles has always been one of the places, one of the very few places in the world where big cats actually live in the city limits. And I'm not talking about Hollywood moguls. I'm talking about actual 
cats, okay? And in this case, the mountain lions have always been there, but they've they're, it's different now. The 2018, what was called the Woolsey Wildfire that created such a huge problem in their environment, people were really afraid at that time that they would just all be dead. Well, they're not. They've actually gotten a little bit less risk-averse. Now, we talk about risk-averse creatures, and Lance and I have been talking about this this week. There's a lot of creatures closer up to your house now in many cases than there used to be. And in L.A., it turns out it's mountain lions. So what they have done is to, there there are some that are tagged, but there also are some that they just watch, you know, I presume with drones, but they just watch them. It's this theme today, what, what they do and where they go. And they're closer to humans now because they have to be. They, they're trying to find food sources and finding places. Half of the mountain lion habitat in the Santa Monica Mountains, which, by the way, I don't even want to see it if half of it's been burned up because it's such a beautiful, beautiful place. But what they worked on is trying to figure out how the population is affected because they've been studying them for 20 years, and now that we've had this terrible devastation to their habitat, what they have found is that actually the mountain lions avoid the burned areas, but they cross the road to do that. And that, of course, includes freeways and other kinds of highways, but six-lane freeways are not a safe place at all for anything on foot, especially not... Strangely enough, 10 lanes of Highway 101, good grief. They might have gone across there every two years before that fire. Now, three times a year. That's bad for the mountain lions. It's also bad for Los Angeles because it tells you, you know, the the problem with wildfires isn't always the fire. The problem is a fire, obviously. But afterwards, whether or not you repair the area or whether or not you allow it to come back to plants that are a little bit less vulnerable, or whether you just go right back in there and plant the same old stuff again, has a lot to do with how the future is can be in that area. Really is. Um, let's see. Well, I don't know about this. Sweet potatoes, should I put, chop them up and put them in my compost? I don't, unless they're not edible. And if they're not edible, yeah, that'd be fine. They'll compost. But if they're edible... There's someone near you that wants them. <laughs> so you need to find the people that like sweet potatoes. Man, it took me uh, two two decades to finally go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do the sweet potato thing. My dad's always been a big You're fan You're a little slow on the I uptake. Know, yeah, I mean, and ever since, I've been like, wow, man, what was I missing there? For people who don't like them and, and have only, I mean, if you've, if you've never had just a sweet potato that you peel, cut into pieces, and put in your oven to roast, maybe a little oil on it. It, you've never had a, a real sweet potato. Now, I will tell you, you need to cut that thing into pieces, put it on the, pla- on the, pa- on the pan, and cover that pan with aluminum foil because what you're trying to do is steam them first. Otherwise, they can turn into croutons. <laughs> you don't want that. Sweet potato croutons do not have much appeal. But if you go ahead and let them inside, soften them a little bit first, but not all the way to gooey cream like you would have in a casserole. Just let them soften up a little bit. You're in good shape. Gotten all the good edible ones. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Put the, Chop the rest of them up and put them in the compost. I have no problem with that at all. Oh, my goodness. 
the zombies jamboree certainly gave me um, a, a tickle and i hope that you all will have an absolutely whatever it is that you do or don't do harvest festival halloween like i said it seems to me like all the halloween parties are already happening but um i, I will be away next week and i'm looking forward to that because i'll be with my grand dog and because ken hackman will be here and i always get so much praise when he's here so y'all are really nice <laughs> to do that for him and but for me particularly i am seeing in my mind the zombie jamboree and all the people dancing and all the things carrying on but you may want to know that the university of st andrews and the central european university in vienna have something new to share with you yes that is right chimpanzees walk in step with each other just like humans do How come I've never seen dancing chimpanzees in the way that we see dancing skeletons at Halloween? Obviously, we need to have these dance steps a little bit more polished for them. One of our closest relatives, it says, does not appear to want to do complex actions. However, that simple little bop, the little bopping along, they'll all do it together, just like you and I do. Let's bop along, okay? Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Enjoy Ken next week. And I will see you back in November. Thank you so much for being a listener. Weekend gardening wouldn't be anything without you. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of South Communication. It's creepy and it's kooky, mysterious and spooky. It's the Adams Family Fortune, the new scratch-off game from the Mississippi Lottery. Win a top prize of $100,000. This ticket is a treat that you don't have to be scared of. Just scratch off spooky numbers to match the creepy numbers. And if there's a potion bottle, voila, you win double the prize. You can even win if you reveal a bat under the bonus spot. Watch the Adams Family TV series, now available on DVD, Blu-ray, and most streaming digital platforms. Gameway Pro, call 1-800-522-4700. Think of all the comforts your family enjoys around your home. When you include propane appliances throughout your home, you can have even greater comfort from endless hot water to softer clothing and cozier heat on cold winter days. With an all-propane home, you'll also enjoy greater efficiency and energy savings compared to all electric homes. Go to PERC.com and ask why propane. The answer will be clear. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. Jenny Key, the king of clean. How do you and your staff get things done? Teamwork. When a team works together, they can do anything. That's why all of us at Jenny King, the king of clean, are excited to team up with you. At Jenny King, our team has been working together for over 35 years, cleaning your places for work, education, medical attention, eateries, stadiums, and worship. Let our team help your team. Go to JennyKingCleans.com and trust your clean to the king. That's JennyKingCleans.com. Jenny King, the king of clean. From the very beginning, and every workday since, at every shift, and every individual effort, we carry a common purpose, a common cause. It's a duty we proudly honor, knowing behind every product we build is your faith in us. Dedicated to the craft of gun making. Dedicated to your freedom, equality, security, and the promise of this great country. Smith & Wesson, empowering Americans. Learn more at smith-wesson.com. 
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.